Rise and shine. It's butt whipping time. It's time for the Morning Blitz with Ross Volkmer. That broadcast school has really paid off. And Christian Peck Dimmitt. Do you want to keep this job? Shut up, listen, learn. The region's only local sports talk show. Discussing it all from the preps to the pros. What time is it? Dance and Simulcasting on AM 730 Fox Sports Tri-State. Streaming online at nwksradio.net and the Rockingham app. They are everywhere. The Blitz is presented by the Insurance Agency, the Farmer State Bank in Oakley, the Cowboy Corner Express, and Equity Bank of Hoxie, Quinter, and Grinnell. Stop what you're doing and listen. Transition. Shrina Watson, left wing three. That's her spot. She hits another one. Four of five from behind the arc for Serena Watson. 14 points. With Colby inbounding at baseline, far side under the bucket. Bennett does, gets it to Lopez, gets to the right hand, gets to the cup, puts it up, in and one for Sofia Lopez. Pasadilla, underhanded pass. Left wing three on the way. Danico Rucker. Splashes it in, his first three of the night and 25th of the season. Sitting near the bottom or at the bottom as there's an alley-oop to Keither Florence and he will flush it down. The assist from Terrence Johnson Jr. Kansas 50%, here's a tip and a steal by Burphy. Burphy to the cup, a two-hand monster jam. And he swings up on the iron. Johnny Burphy having a breakout in Orlando. Is, and there it goes, an alley-oop from 40 feet. Gurley predicted, and Harris to Adams on the execution. Harris looking, finds McCuller, fakes, fires, hits. What a shot to beat the buzzer by Kevin McCuller. Backs his way down, hook pass off, right side to Silva for three, right between the eyes from downtown, and it becomes a one-point game. And happy Thursday morning, everybody. We're back on the Morning Blitz, broadcasting on 102.5 UROC, AM 730, Fox Sports, Tri-State. Glad that you're with us here on a Thursday, January 11th, 21 degrees outside, away to a high of 27. Wind chill advisory in effect, in effect starting tomorrow, or temperatures are going to start dropping down into Christian Pectimit like temperatures of single digits. He'll feel right at home with these frigid temps coming our way here this weekend. But right now, actually pretty nice out. With no wind and the temperatures around 20, it doesn't feel that bad. But with the wind well, chill that's supposed to start coming in tonight, that's going to make a big difference here. So I was going to say, let's be careful there because the wind chill's coming pretty quick. I don't know about you, but in Colby, it, it's going to start more earlier than tonight. It's going to be early afternoon when this wind starts. Yeah, there's some up. talk of some snow, some light snow maybe yes, today. Um traces to maybe an inch or two depending on where you're at in the listening region so be aware of that there might be even a little bit more for those on the outer skirts of our coverage area um so once again check your check your app check your whatever you find your weather on do that and uh be prepared for possibly a little bit of snow but nowhere near what i think we got here the last couple of days although i do know back home where i'm from they had I think eight inches of snow with the storm that we had previously. And with this winter dusting that we're going to get, they're supposed to get another four to eight inches. So I was visit, we were visiting with my folks yesterday and they were like, well, we just got dug out yesterday. And so now we might get buried again. So got to be prepared Jeez. for that. So anyway, yeah, I saw the 
Bart, our engineer who lives in Nebraska, uh, I think he's expecting a full another eight inches. So, yeah, there are, there are some parts I think on the on the fringes of our listening region that are gonna get hit again, which is I'm sure brutal. I wonder what Bart is. I don't even want to figure this out. What what would Bart be like locked into his own house for you know a few days? It'd be interesting. Bart just seems like a guy who's. He could do it, but at the same time, he loves to be off doing other things. You know, he's constantly busy with something. So, he, he you know, those engineers are kind of tinkerers. <laughs> it's true. Tinkering with stuff. But anyway, uh, glad you're with us on the Morning Blitz. If you want to be part of the show, you can hit us up on our text line, question, comments, thoughts, whatever it may be. Uh, phone number 785-899-2222, the number part of the Morning Blitz here on this Thursday morning. We will get to Kansas basketball. They're upset by UCF on the road. Um, and what was crazy is that it's for the first time uh, in the AP poll history that four of the top five teams in men's college basketball lost in a two-day span. Uh, one, two, three, and five all lost uh, here in the last in the last 24, 24 to 36 hours, or sorry, 48 to 54 hours, excuse me. So, yeah, it's uh, been a crazy stretch in college basketball, but Kansas loses last night to UCF. We'll get to that. We'll visit with uh, Chiefs Blitz. Our good friend Nick Athens is going to stop by the program later today. We'll visit with him about the Chiefs and the wild card game against the Dolphins. And we will also talk to Nick what I think about the stories probably of the day, and that is the stepping down, the retirement, whatever you want to put it, of three of the biggest football coaches all happening in the last 24 hours with Pete Carroll, followed by Nick Saban, and then this morning Bill Belichick stepping down. Um, an era of football that a lot of us grew up watching and knowing and the teams that were dominant, whether it was USC and Pete Carroll and or... You know, Alabama and Nick Saban and the Patriots and Bill Belichick, those three guys led those dynasties. And then, of course, Carroll going to the NFL and having success there as well, winning with the Seahawks. Don't want to take that away. I mean, these were three of the greatest coaches that were in my lifetime when it comes to the game of football, and they all decided to step away in the last 48 hours. We will get to that in just a matter of seconds. I do want to highlight, though, real quickly, Northwest Tech and Colby Community College basketball last night. A split uh, on the hardwood here inside the Goodlands Max Jones Fieldhouse. The Colby Community College women uh, picking up their first Jayhawk Conference win last night as they get a victory 75-69 over the Northwest Tech women in a ball game where Tech only had six players dressed to play. And by the time that they got to the final five minutes, you could see that the wear and tear of and the and the exhaustion of playing just five players and having the lead for a majority of the game got to them. And Colby, because they had more depth and they played well too, uh, was able to get that one in the end, 75-69. Great balance scoring from both teams. Uh, all four both teams had four ladies in double figures. Colby had uh, Sophie Sophie Bennett. Stella McIntyre, Sophia Lopez, and Noella Bijua all had uh, 15 points apiece. So uh, that was quite a performance from, I guess, and I should say Bennett had 17 points, but the other three had 15 points. So they were very balanced last night. And Jalen Alexander had a career night for Northwest Tech with 20 points and 16 rebounds. Those were both uh, career highs and was her third double-double this season. She played really well. And and the other three that, that got in double figures as well played very good, but... 
Once again, it was about the depth, uh, because I think if Northwest Tech had another body or two, they might have been able to hold on and get that win. But they were they were playing six girls, and one of them fouled out in the third quarter. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, uh, that happens. I mean, it looks like Serena Watson played thirty nine minutes, and two other girls played thirty seven apiece. Oh, they did. I don't. I don't. I could not imagine doing that. That sounds just brutal. Yeah, there was barely any time for anybody to get really much of a rest because they didn't have the bench depth to get that done last night. And they still played very tough. I get a coach, uh, Rashad Baker, in his first season, was very pleased with the execution and the effort, but just didn't have the depth last night. And I give a lot of credit to Coach Spence. You know, he was frustrated throughout the game, uh, but his team held, pulled it out in the end. And uh, I like the way his team plays. Um, they do the thing. They move the ball very well. They're very good at passing the ball around the perimeter, you know, cutting and kicking and passing and all that stuff. And they get open shots. They just don't make them at this point in time. They weren't last night. And I think that's kind of the story of this year's team. If he gets some players in there or these girls develop and knock down the shots a little bit more higher, consistently, they're going to win more games because they've got Absolutely. really good offensive execution from what I can see. And they do play good defense too. Uh, but their offensive execution, you can just see their. It's down the floor. We're, we're moving. We know we got to swing the ball. Pass it. Pass it. Pass it. Kick it back out. Okay, there's a shot. Or or kick it. Here's a good drive and finish. So I was impressed with Colby Community College last night. They're going to get another win or two, I think, this season in the Jayhawk Conference. Uh, it just comes down to making shots for them. And Northwest Tech, we'll see. If they're only going to play with six girls or seven girls the rest of the season, I don't know if it's with health issues for sure or not. Um, but it's hard to win a lot of games. You only have six playing or seven. So we'll see how that all pans out for Northwest Tech going forward. But uh, thoughts on the women's game. The men's game, like, and both games were very entertaining. The men's game was as well. Colby got out to a 9-0 lead. Jay Bradley for Northwest Tech calls a tech out, or timeout. Here comes Northwest Tech, a 14-0 run to take the lead. And they held the lead, or were tied or held the lead for a majority of that game. Uh, and then would pull away at the end to win 73, uh, 73 to, sorry, what was it, 83. Why am I losing my mind here? 7361? 7361. Yeah. 73-61. Uh, a very nice win last night for the Northwest Tech men. Charles Fofana, 22 points, very effective on 7 of 11 shooting. Tayden Connor at 18. Keith Florence chipped in 11 off the bench. He played the best I thought he'd had, at least that I'd seen him play very well down low. The transfer from Iona was very good. And the biggest thing is the philosophy for Northwest Tech worked, which is we want to Get to the. We want to get paint touches, and we'd love to get fouled and go to the foul line. And they did. They were 23 of 34 from the foul line. Colby wasn't even remotely close to that in free throw shooting. Um, Colby decided to live more on the three, and Marco Melikinisic did that, but he did have four fouls in the first half. So he was very much limited in the second half, was Marco Melikinisic. Uh But I was impressed by Rafael Nugutruart, pretty darn good player, very athletic guy, not really an outside shorter shooter, but a guy who can finish in around the rim. Uh, yeah. But a nice win for Northwest Tech. Both teams are 5-10 and 10 overall and now 1-8 in the Jayhawk. And, hey, that, that gets you out of the very, very bottom of the Jayhawk West standings and gets you a chance to get a win if you're Northwest Tech. And now both these teams are tied at 1-8. So just a few thoughts on, on basketball last night. And also, uh, Northwest Tech, Colby Community College met on the wrestling mat in Colby last night. Uh, Northwest Tech got the win in that duel 45-9. to So just a quick little local sports hit right there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I you you mentioned the depth or lack thereof. So I've got two questions. One, uh, it looks like depth was 
reverse a huge benefit for the boys. I think it's 23 bench points yep. uh, for the Tech men. Can you talk about, I mean, the impact of that, especially when on the boys or on the men's side, uh, the Trojans had a couple of guys, three guys, play 35-plus minutes. Yeah. No, it was, uh, they dug a little bit deeper into the, I mean, both teams, I thought, got into the bench and used guys. Both teams did, but, um, yeah, the number of minutes that they got, I mean, it was it was kind of funny because, you know, Vladimir Korp, who I don't think had played a whole lot, got the start uh, and played a ton. Um, Matthias Malaith Bacorny played a ton of minutes, and I think it's because Dylan Holt's 6'10", and Colby needed a bigger guy to, to face up against him. So they put out a bigger lineup. And honestly, Vladimir Korp did pretty good. <laughs> he was pretty effective, 10.6 boards, a couple of big dunks too. But uh, once again, I just I give credit to Northwest Tech. They The problem with Northwest Tech this year has been they – get out they start the game slow and they have to, they dig themselves a hole and they have to dig themselves out of that hole by the time it's all said and done well now uh this last game they dug a hurl they dug a quick hole but they dug themselves out of it quicker and they got off to a better start and that was kind of the difference and they kept colby at bay uh the rest of the way so uh anyway just some quick thoughts on juco basketball from last night inside the max jones field house all right moving on huge news yesterday news day yesterday in the nfl and college football with with Pillars in in the football world deciding to step away from the game. Of the three that stepped away, or of the three, whether it's stepped away, parting of ways, whatever it is, which one is the most surprising to you as we sit here this morning? To be honest with you, I don't think any of them were crazy surprised. You know, I wasn't knocked off my chair by any of them. Uh, Bill Belichick was... Probably the least so. I think that was a little bit expected. You remember it was probably three or four weeks ago, something like that, when we got a report, and some people wrote it off as rumor, but some people uh, sat on it a little bit harder as fact uh, that he maybe that they were going to air quotes here part ways with Belichick. Uh, call that a firing. Call that mutual. Uh, whatever you'd like to, but officially the report now is agreed to part ways. That because we had that report. I think maybe if we didn't, that would probably be the most surprising. But with it, I was kind of expecting that, so maybe that's the least so. Sabin is also getting up there, and I thought he was slowing down a little bit in the last couple of years. Uh, so not super surprising to me personally. Pete Carroll, despite his age, uh, has looked as vigorous as ever. I was, I was a little bit surprised by that, and I know he's not completely done. He's done as head coach but he's not completely done with that organization. I can't remember the exact title of what he's stepping into. He's going to have taken uh, an executive like role an somewhere there, advisor, something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, so probably Seattle less the, the least surprising to me or the most surprising rather with Pete Carroll, uh, stepping up, I guess. Yeah, that was the most surprising one to me, honestly, was that Pete Carroll. And honestly, it must have shocked Pete because watching his press conference yesterday, that highlights from the press conference, he must have not expected it either. I mean, on his radio show Monday, he said, you know, looking forward to next year, all that stuff. Then his press conference yesterday, meeting the media, he's breaking down, you know, having some emotional moments. I don't think he was expecting this to happen. So that's a tough deal for Pete Carroll. Whereas when you're Nick Saban and you're Bill Belichick, even though... Even though Bill is kind of being, I think, shown the door a little bit, those two guys get the opportunity to say when they're done. When you win that amount of championships 
13 combined, 7 for Saban, and 6 for Bilicek. You get to say when you're done. That's my opinion. You get to say, hey, look, I've won you this much stuff. There's franchises that go go decades without winning anything. And I've won you six or I've won you seven. I get a say when I step down. And they get a chance to do that. I don't, now, Bilicek, I think it was, you know, that one was, like you said, I think it was kind of becoming a little bit of a mutual agreement. I could see Bill going back and coaching somewhere else. Uh, I don't know where Nick Saban's going to go in the future here, but uh, TV or just playing golf, I don't know. I, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, sorry, you got a point there. Uh, just, yeah, um, Belichick has actually made clear, I guess, through reports, obviously it's Bill, so he's not going to say anything, um, you know, outwardly to the More media. Uh, but reports have made pretty clear that, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> reports have made pretty clear uh, that he is not done coaching. He is, uh, you know, his hat is kind of in the ring in terms of other jobs. Uh, I don't know where that might be. Tennessee leaps out to me as maybe a nice landing spot, though. It's all to Tennessee. Maybe don't have a quarterback <laughs> answer. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about going and taking on Tennessee. I he he is still out in the mix somewhere. Saban, I don't know. I haven't seen anything. I'd guess that probably TV is in his future as opposed to another coaching job. I I just he's he's, he's retiring. I mean, this was Nick Saban's choice. Whereas Bill Belichick and and Pete Carroll and every other coach that's been fired so far in the NFL has been told, you probably need to step away or we're firing you. Nick Saban is retiring. Now, Nick could probably take a year off, do something else, and then be content with coming back maybe if he wants to. Because even though I know that he has slowed down a little bit, Nick is still a phenomenal coach and has done a great job. So, I like I said, I don't... Honestly, of all the coaches that have been fired, I think actually the most shocking one was Mike Vrabel that got let go from the Tennessee Titans. That was probably the most yeah, shocking right? one. I, I couldn't believe that they let him go because I guarantee every NFL team that's looking for a head coach has called him, wanting his mm-hmm. wanting his job. I guarantee it. Wouldn't it be hilarious if the Patriots took Vrabel and the Titans took Belichick? That'd be pretty funny if that happened. Let's just do a that's coach That's actually... Talk. I don't know about Tennessee because the news is a little bit fresher. Oh, very uh, fresh. Taking Belichick. Uh, but Vrabel going to the Pats has been a thing, a report, a rumor for as, you know, maybe just a fan's, you know, pipe dream for longer than he's been fired. That's been a thing even before, like, oh, maybe he coaches the Pats one day. And now that the job is pretty clearly wide open. Uh, we both know he would have, um, or any coach that takes over that job, uh, has his work cut out for him, to put it lightly. It's not exactly the most beautifully put-together roster offensively. It does have a really solid defense, so Belichick had a lot to do with that. That'd be a really interesting pairing, though. I, I'm just, I was checking a moment ago. Reports are saying that the Falcons are emerging kind of as that top spot uh, in, in initial reports, and obviously it's important to remember that this is all prior to, hey, this guy interviewed here, this guy's in deep talks, this guy got a second interview, because those are real solid reports. These are just rumors. The rumor right now is that the Falcons are emerging for Belichick as mm. the top spot. Be warmer, that's for sure. You probably like the warmer temperatures, but <laughs> I guess of all the ones that stepped away, 
Saban is the one I guess that that hit. I don't know that I don't want to say hit me the most, but I actually when I saw the breaking news deal break across the ticker, I did actually literally let out a whoa. I mean, I not that I was shocked that he did, because I think there were some swirlings that he might be, but I was it was more like a whoa because he is the most dominant college football coach, pretty much ever. Seven national championships at two different schools combined. Six at Bama, one at LSU. And I guess I wrote down a few notes as I was, as I as as these things were running through my mind about Nick Saban. Number one, I was always jealous of him and his teams because they won a ton and my team didn't. So I was always jealous of him. But I always respected what he did and how he did it. He was hard nosed. He was tough but fair. And he always was about doing it right or get out of here. Either do it the right way or get out of here. I don't need you. And he always talked about the story of his dad. How his dad ran a gas station. He would tell Nick to go back home and mow the lawn, and then he would say, "Okay, I got the lawn mowed. Well, did you do the trim? Did you uh, did you sweep up all the grass clippings? Did you do all that? Do everything the right way, or don't do it at all." Always love that story from Nick Saban. I one thing that I always loved about Nick, and this is kind of a weird thing, but I always loved the way he looked directly into the camera when he was interviewed. Have you ever mm. noticed that he would visit with the reporter, and then he'd look directly into the camera and make some other points? I always thought that probably helped him sign some recruits because it was like he was talking to them. He was talking to the fans. He was talking to the viewers. He was watching. The recruits were watching him, and he talked. He always looked right down the barrel of the camera. I always liked that, and I thought, well, you know, he'd be great at television if he wanted to do that. I don't know if he does. Um, And one of my favorite stories of Nick Saban was a young Ross Volkmer back in the mid-'90s got to take a trip. We went to go watch Nebraska play Michigan State in East Lansing. Nebraska beat Michigan State, who was head coached by Nick Saban at the time, very handily. And the story goes, after the game was over and Nebraska had won easily, the two coaches, Tom Osborne and Nick Saban, met at the midfield. And uh, Tom leans in and goes, you know, Nick, you're a lot closer than you think. The thing was, Nick Saban was going to be the next great coach, and he was turning that from another great coach in Tom Osborne, which I always think was a very cool story. That, you know, Tom Osborne thought that, hey, you're not that far away. And I think he meant not only just in the way his own team played, but just the way of he was, he was on the right path as a coach. Um, and that was, that's pretty darn cool. And so I'm, I'm extremely happy for Nick Saban. He deserves to step away when he wants and go do what he wants to go do. Whether if he wants to stay and work and do television stuff, because I think he'd be good there, or if he wants to, you know, just go play golf and, you know, take trips with the wife, even though he hates taking trips. You know, they took a trip to Italy this summer. And he complained about that, which was pretty funny. <laughs> But Miss Terry, his wife, has put up with a lot over the years, and uh, you know, I'm, hopefully, he gets to spend some time with his wife. But I, of all the ones that that were just like, man, you know, Nick Saban stepping away is huge, huge. I completely agree. I think it's, yeah, you said most dominant coach, absolutely. Uh, certainly, him and Bear Bryant at the top of that discussion, and I think he probably clears that talk incredible coach i don't have uh i'm sorry any story nearly as cool as what ross just gave you uh but you know me i do have some stats uh 292 wins uh total d1 that's not just at alabama that's the fifth most ever seven national championships of course uh 11 sec champions uh championships uh he coached four heisman winners and you know how many assistants has have gone on to be head coaches of his, uh, former assistants of his that have gone on to be head coaches, 
40. Yeah. That's how about, how about another crazy stat? 44 NFL first-round draft picks, <laughs> and I think it's 29 losses. That's absolutely crazy. insane. Absolutely mm-hmm. insane. So, w- look, we could go on for the whole hour on this. we got to take a break, but humongous news. Four pillars of football coaching are stepping away or being asked to step away uh, and uh, going to bring some— Sorry, three pillars. My apologies. Three pillars. Three pillars. I said the wrong number. Three pillars. Unless you want to call Mike Vrabel a pillar. I was going to say, Vrabel's great, but I don't know about that. <laughs> three pillars of, of, of football coaching are stepping away or being asked to do so, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see uh, where these programs go. Already talks that Dan Lanning of Oregon and some other ones are going to try and fill. I mean, who wants to follow Saban? Nobody wants to do that. Uh, that won't be any fun, but uh, there's lots of there's lots of stuff about that. Also, a very unique storyline before we get to break. I, I saw this yesterday. In 1979, Pete Carroll was the defensive back coach at Ohio State. He left to become the defensive coordinator at North Carolina State in 1980. Who replaced him as the defensive back coach at Ohio State in 1980? Nicholas Saban. Was it really Nick Saban? It was wow. Nick Saban. <laughs> the storylines. And, and don't forget, of course, Saban and Belichick. We're on the same staff in Cleveland in the NFL when Bill got his first head coaching job. I mean, the ties, it's a, it's all a little it's eerie. Crazy. That's for sure. All right, let's get to break. Up next, Nick Athen joins us. We'll get his thoughts on the coaching changes going on in the NFL and in the football world and also get his thoughts on the Kansas City Chiefs as they get set to start the postseason with the wild card round on Saturday night against the Miami Dolphins. That's all next here on the Morning Blitz.